Hello, everybody, and welcome to Vojdani University, Episode 4. Uh, this is our monthly educational video series talking about the latest trends in immunology and everything that you need to know about autoimmune disease. In this month's episode, we're going to be discussing this really fascinating, huge topic about food immune reactivity. Basically, what is going on with food, so many people having issues with what they eat related to their health, and, and why is something that is meant to nourish us starting to turn against us? And uh, I have with me, as always, my guest, Dr. Aristo Vojtani, PhD. He is the Chief Scientific Advisor for Cyrex Laboratories and the Laboratory Director of Immunosciences Laboratories and uh, a wealth of information when it comes to everything immunology. So, thank, thank you for you. joining me again. Thank you, Elroy. So I'm really excited about this topic. Um, me too, because as you know, uh, we already established that gene plus environmental factors play a role in autoimmune diseases. Yes. And so food is one of the three major environmental triggers that may cause or causes autoimmunities that many people do not pay attention to. Yeah. And that's why it's so important. Right. So let's recap just really quickly what we've been talking about so far in the prior episodes. Uh, you know, we talked a bit about the, the uh, history of autoimmunity and we've started to dive into the environmental factors that can trigger or lead to autoimmunity. The, uh, we covered environmental toxins um, such as chemicals and makeup and things like that. Uh, we are going to discuss food in this month. And the third topic, which we will cover next month, are uh, infectious pathogens, another really fascinating topic. Um, I'm going to share a little bit about my own health history, and you played a major part in this, about why food immune reactivity is such uh, a topic that means so much to me. Um, many years ago, when I was in college, I was having issues um, you know, with brain fog, not really feeling well, GI uh, pain, a lot of symptoms that we now recognize as, you know, possibly being related to food immune reactivity. But, you know, this was, um, you know, the year 2001, 2002, where this was a really fresh topic. And I told you about my symptoms and you said, you know, why don't I check your blood to see if you have any food immune reactivity? Right. And at the time, you found that I had very strong immune reactivity to casein. Absolutely, almost five plus. Five plus. So the I, highest level. I cut casein out of my diet almost immediately and started feeling much, much, much better. Uh, a few years after that, I was suffering from uh, continued brain fog and recurrent sinus infections. I mean, every single month I had a sinus infection and it was miserable. I hated it. I was having difficulty sleeping at night. And this is while I was in medical school and trying to make it through all the rigors of that. And we checked my blood once again, uh, this time for a different antigen, gluten. And we found again that I was five plus positive. So uh, since then, gluten and casein have been removed from my diet. I feel uh, like a new person I have not had a single sinus infection since then. I think we're going on seven or eight years now, um, which is really incredible. And it, it really stoked a lot of my own personal passion for the field of functional medicine and autoimmunity. And so let's, uh, I would like to add to that. There are thousands and probably millions like you in the world who have all this symptomatology, 
but they go to a doctor and they do all they give them antibiotics for their sinuses or whatever you know, you know better than me yeah but they never get to the root cause of the problem and that's exactly why we are here talking to you guys that always a good doctor is a doctor who get to the root cause of the problem why because when you remove the cause in this case casein from dairy and gluten from wheat then you reverse the course of inflammation and possibly autoimmune diseases in the future right so we believe very firmly that this is the next step in the evolution of medicine digging a little bit deeper and getting to the foundation of what is causing disease in the first place and this is a really really powerful thing and a powerful way to transform um, many people's lives including some of you who may be watching out there so pay attention so, uh, this topic is so fascinating and it, in many ways is very controversial um, and to me one of the most difficult parts of it when I was first learning was covering the idea of what is food immune reactivity. I think, let me also interje interject in here because you said maybe the subject a little bit controversial. Yes. Uh, I think it's controversial for those who do not read the scientific journals. Mm -hmm. When I read the scientific journals and look at all these articles that, you know, for example, right now we have on this table, when, and thousands more out there, then this, for me, this subject is not controversial. Yeah. For those from lack of knowledge, lack of reading, lack of, you know, examining the evidence, they may call that controversial. Yeah. So the, the evidence is pretty, pretty clear, pretty profoundly positive, um, you know, in, in favor of everything that we're talking about. We're going to do our best to recap a lot of the uh, scientific evidence that's been out in the last year or two um, in how it relates to food immune reactivity. But let's cover the, to this point, very confusing terminology in the world of food immune reactivity and I think that has contributed some to this kind of um, difficulty understanding the topic for the public. So food immune reactivity, you hear all kinds of terminology out there. There are really three main categories um, and the first one is food allergy, the term food allergy. Now You'll hear some people throw the term food allergy around for anything related to a reaction related to food. But in really strict definition, and we should really adhere to this, a food allergy is a very specific type of response from the immune system to food. And that response system is from an antibody called IgE, which is released by these specific cells in the immune system. And you get a very specific set of symptoms from exposure to the food and it's an immediate reaction so i'm going to give the very classic example of a food allergy which is you hear a lot about children having a food allergy to peanuts what happens if they ingest peanuts or if they happen to be extremely sensitive are around peanuts they will get swelling in their throat uh, they will get difficulty breathing wheezing some of them will get uh, a rash which turns into hives and if their reaction is strong enough, they will need a dose of epinephrine and EpiPen to be able to relieve some of those life-threatening 
symptoms. And the really important thing here is all of those symptoms are related to the IgE-mediated part of the immune system. That is a classic food allergy. There is another term thrown out there, which is a food intolerance. Yes. You know, a lot of times you'll hear people say, I'm gluten intolerant. And, um, you know, really, if you speak about the true definition of, of the word intolerance in, in the world of food, that's an incorrect usage of that terminology. So when you talk about an intolerance, it is your body's inability to digest or handle the food. And the classic example of this is lactose intolerance. And what happens in individuals uh, from a certain genetic subtype as we get older, the enzyme to degrade the sugar lactose um, decreases in its production and availability in the body, and therefore that human being cannot digest the sugar lactose, and it causes symptoms related to that. It is not an immune reaction to food. Okay, it is strictly related to the inability to digest and degrade that sugar. The rest of the world of food reactivity is a, a, this phrase that we use, which is food immune reactivity. And it's really a big, big, big topic, but we're essentially in that world talking about all the other ways in which the immune system can react to food. And all the different ways that that reaction can lead to uh, symptoms, you know, or potential immune autoimmunity. And, um, you know, this covers the gamut of all the different uh, antibody responses and different cells that are involved. So let's simplify it from my view Great. as an immunologist. So immune reaction to food could be classified to two. Okay. One is IgE mediated that elegantly you explained that you eat something few seconds after that a few minutes after that you are going to have overt immune reaction and then in some cases needed hospitalization going yep. to emergency room. right that's one so so people know when they eat something right away they will have anaphylactic reaction right the second is you eat something your body may make antibody against that one day later, one week later. So those antibodies are non-IgE. Mm -hmm. So we classify, therefore, the food immune reaction to IgE mediated, which is immediate reaction. Yeah. And the other one are non-IgE mediated, could be IgG, IgM, or other antibodies. Right. And so you eat something now, you're not going to have symptoms like classical allergy. You may end up having bloating, diarrhea, or or something a, next day or sometimes even a week later. Right. It can be hours, days, or even a week. Right. Uh, and, and the classic example that we talk about these days in, in that world of non-IgE-mediated food immune reactivity is uh, either non-celiac gluten sensitivity or... Celiac disease. Absolutely. Right? Yes. That's the very yes. big topic. Yes. And why celiac disease? Because uh, in the case of celiac disease, IgE is not involved. Right. The patient is not having um, hypersensitivity or, uh, or uh, anaphylactic reaction to wheat. Right. But they eat wheat because uh, 
maldigestion and other factors, some genetic makeup in this case, mm -hmm. that the body actually is going to make IgA antibodies, a completely different antibody right. against the gluten as well as its own tissue. And that's why wheat causing autoimmunity in the GI tract and then other autoimmunities associated with it if we don't detect it at early stage. Right. And uh, these are both under the umbrella of immune reactivity to food, right? So we have the IgE and the non-IgE mediated. The really fascinating and I think important topic here is that all types of immune reactivity to food are massively on the rise, right? Yes, that's correct. Including the IgE and the non-IgE. That's correct. Uh, you know, there was an article in the Wall Street Journal um, last week, right? Yes. Discussing uh, that allergic reactions to food have increased 377% over the past decade. Uh, and in, in 10 years only. 10 years, 377%. And, uh, you know, an article that we've discussed before, the celiac surge, which covers the other category of immune reactivity, has discussed a threefold increase in celiac disease alone um, in recent years. And that's not even talking about this much bigger subset of the population who has non-celiac gluten sensitivity. Um, so, while medical community putting so much emphasis on IgE-mediated, like peanuts and eggs yes. and shellfish, but really they don't, they don't pay attention to uh, non-IgE-mediated food immune reactivity to, in my opinion, the first one, at least you eat something, immediately you have symptoms. Yeah. So easy to detect. Yes. The other one is hidden. Yeah. Okay. So therefore, the danger of the second one to be not detected on time could be development of autoimmune diseases in the future. Right. So that's really the whole issue. That's why we would like to pay attention or emphasize so much to delayed food, food immune reactivities, yes. non-IgE mediated food immune reactivities, because in the case of celiac disease, we know that for every individual who reacts to gluten, Yes. And makes IgA antibodies, which we call that celiac disease. Right. There are another 10 who may have non-celiac gluten sensitivity, and therefore those are the, in the individuals who are in danger of developing autoimmune disease in the future. Right. That's why the importance of testing and screening, like what we did for you yes. 15 or 20 years ago, it's important for everybody to look at immune reaction to food, whether or not they react, they, they react to shrimp or uh, wheat or uh, dairy or other foods, is there becoming very, very important yeah. in order to prevent autoimmune diseases in the future. In your estimation and in experiments that you have done on human beings in the past, what percentage, I know you've done this for gluten, or dairy specifically, but what percentage of human beings do you think right now in the United States have some type of food immune reactivity? Uh, again, my based on the data, Yes. Uh, listen, I work in a clinical laboratory for almost 40 years, and uh, I have handled at least more, about half a million blood samples. Right. Okay. Uh, 
I would say between 20 to 25 percent. Right, it's a huge quarter. So, a quarter so of the allergy, population. classical IgE-mediated allergy. We say okay, it went up from two or three percent now to seven percent. Right, that's what the article in Wall Street Journal talking about. Right, but we are talking about 25 percent of the population reacting to dairy, gluten, shrimp, and other foods. Uh, whether it's raw or cooked, they react to it and they make very high levels of antibodies. And uh, if, if not detected early, those antibodies at certain level may turn against our own body and attacking our tissue. And that by itself can result in autoimmunities in the future. Great. Great. Thank you so much for that really uh, unbelievable explanation about you know, the mechanisms here and what we should really be worried about. Um, let's talk about, I think, what is the elephant in the room, which is why. Why are human beings, at least in the United States and developed countries, having so many issues with food? I love the word why. Yeah. Because in the research laboratories, always we ask why. Yeah. If you don't ask why, you are not going to find answers. Right. Okay, so I'm glad you asked the question why. My answer to that will be two. One, that we have changed. Right. The second one, the food has changed. So we as human beings have changed. Yes. And the food that we consume has changed. Yes, those are the two answers. Two things. Yes. Okay. And so why did, you know, why did we, how did we change? Right. How, you know. The, the, the best way to explain this fascinating article that you read yeah. by in Journal of Nature Reviews Immunology talking actually about uh, early life immunology. Yes. The, our early life immunology has changed. Yes. What do they mean by that, Elroy? They, early life immunology has changed. Right. So uh, things that everything surrounding pregnancy, birth, and our first few months of life have really dramatically changed as we have become more industrialized um, as a civilization. And, and um, as I talked about in, uh, in pregnancy, right, we have more maternal exposure to antibiotics, right? That's right. We have a third, and in some areas of the United States, a half one half of all babies born by a cesarean section. And uh, that different modality of birth also changes the gut bacterial composition of the baby as they're born. And as we'll talk about, changes their immune system, right? Absolutely. And then another big one is antibiotic exposure in the first few months of our life after we're born. Right? So we have right. antibiotic exposure during, for the mother during pregnancy. We have birth by cesarean section, antibiotic exposure in the first few months of life. And then we have, um, really this change in how babies are fed in the first few months of life, which is a transition from, um, predominantly breastfeeding children to having a large percentage of children who are formula fed. And, I think this is a really fascinating thing because formula was developed with all of the macronutrients to keep a baby alive, okay? But they 
don't have any of the micronutrients to keep this living organism that is part of us, our gut bacteria, it doesn't have any of the micronutrients for them to survive. Absolutely. And breast milk, human breast milk, has is the most perfect nutrient in the world. Right. Because it has not only all those components, it has the probiotics, yes. it has the prebiotics, yes. it has all immune components. Right. So it's how the mom can pass on immune her, her immune protection to the baby until the baby's immune system can develop on its That's own. That's right. And also that affects how the immune system of the baby is evolved. Right. Because when you talk about uh, uh, the first few months uh, being so important, or the first few months the immune system development is so important because mm -hmm. there's a terminology called tolerance yes or oral tolerance yeah so i have to explain this a little a little bit that uh the immune system you know in the past you asked me explain to us what is the immune system yeah okay so my answer was well immune system is a group of cells and uh, tissues and this and that protecting us against the invasion bacteria viruses and parasites yeah but that's not complete definition of the immune system there is another half explanation that the immune system, it's not only like an army to defend us. And also the same army has to learn to live in harmony with its neighbors. Right. And who are the neighbors in here? The food that we eat every day. Yes. And the microbiome inside. Yeah. So our immune system has to learn not to attack the food that we eat right and also to live in harmony with the bacteria in the gut right and when those two are in complete um, state oral tolerance develops meaning the immune system can tolerate those foreign material sure. food and microbiome then the immune system is completely in state of balance right when when a child is born by C-section, no breastfeeding and all of that, unfortunately, that tolerance mechanism, how to live in harmony with the neighbors, is not going to be perfect. Okay. So it sees some neighbors as foes. It attacks things that it shouldn't be attacking. That's the idea of oral tolerance not developing in the right way. Right. Okay. Right. So all of these things that we talked about will change a baby's ability to develop oral tolerance and balance and therefore in the future the baby has a propensity to attack neighbors exactly yeah, okay and martin blazer in this journal yeah you read it i'm sure that explaining it very very elegantly why human being has changed yeah so the title of the article that he's uh is uh, showing that actually is about the theory of disappearing microbiota and the epidemic of chronic diseases. Yes. Explain that, Elroy. Yeah, so for those who don't know, Martin Blazer is a really brilliant microbiologist at NYU, um, you know, really the, one of the heads of the fields of microbiology and um, someone whose word means a lot to everybody in the scientific community. And work with H. pylori. Yes. 
for many many years and almost won Nobel Prize. Yeah. So th this is this is significant work coming out of his lab, and uh, essentially he's trying to come up with an idea to link this massive rise in chronic disease in the United States with what has changed in the human being body. Um, how he puts it is rises in cases of obesity, asthma, hay fever, food allergies, inflammatory bowel disease, diabetes, autism, amongst many others, um, that he believes there is a, a central theory to explain why these diseases have arisen and what mechanism is based on these, uh, that this mechanism is based on changes in early life events that are related to the human microbiome. So, he also says later on, early life is the crucial period during which the adult microbiome becomes established and development of the host and the microbiota occur together in a conjoined manner. The, the context is set for the important development decisions that are required for the immune system to distinguish between what is self and what is not self. And this is exactly what you what were talking about in the development of oral tolerance. Basically, our microbiota in our gut and the environment that supports the growth of the microbiota are exactly what are necessary for a body to determine what is self and what is not self. Um, so he talks about the elements of modern life that have led to the crucial loss of microbiota, that certain forms of these bacteria in our gut are not developing in babies anymore. And that this is his, the central part of his theory as to why we have so much more chronic illness in general, not just food immune reactivity, but chronic illness in general in the United States it's and in the developed obesity. country. Obesity, autism, all of it. Yes. And uh, he really goes over those reasons that we just talked about. He, he talked about birth via cesarean section. And, and when you're born via cesarean section, the... When you're born in general, you're born with your gut sterile, meaning it doesn't have any bacteria living in it at that moment. So your first exposure to bacteria is your birth, right? That's right. So if you're born vaginally, you are exposed to an entirely different set of bacteria on your way out, and therefore your intestine become inoculated, or an entirely different set of bacteria start to grow in your gut, than if you're born by a C-section. That's right. So you have two completely different sets of bacteria that could grow inside. In fact, in this article, that later on probably you could show it more clear. Sure. Because we are evidence-based, as we told you. You see two babies. Yep. One C-section, and the other one natural birth. Mm -hmm. birth. The natural birth, when they looked at the microbiome of a baby by natural birth, Almost 99% the microbiome of that child were identical to the vaginal microbiome of the mother, mother. plus her skin. Right. This is called vertical transmission, right? Okay. So the, yes. the baby absorbs the microbiota of the mother on the way out. That's right. But when they looked at the C-section, completely yeah. different, God knows what. Uh, maybe from the nurses, from the air, from what, whatever, completely different microbiome. Right. So this is crucial for good or ba balanced or imbalanced immune system. Right. So obviously a child 
who is having microbiome of his mother is going to develop much more healthier immune system. Yeah, more balanced immune system. Immune system. And the other one, I'm sorry, no, it's not going to have a balanced immune system and therefore will be more prone to allergies, uh, uh, chronic illnesses, uh, including autoimmunities right. in the future. And antibiotic exposure for the mother and for the baby, in, in you know, either in pregnancy or in the early years of birth, I think are fairly obvious how that would change the gut microbiota and therefore this balance in tolerance. And uh, you know, we discussed also how formula versus breastfeeding can change that as well. So yeah. it's really all related to the bacteria in the gut of the baby in these first few stages of life. And in fact, based on this explanation, it's so important if you have any chronic illnesses, it's so important to go to see your doctor and your doctor may give you all kinds of nutrients. Hopefully will be able to reverse, uh, you know, to, re to return the good bacteria, to give you probiotics, to give you all kinds of other nutrients. So to reverse your immune system, the way Dr. Blazer put it, that uh, to change the immune system from reactogenic immune system, reactogenic immune system, meaning your immune system is on overdrive. Right. It's running very fast all right. the time. Prone to reactions. Yes. Versus tolerogenic immune system. Right. So balanced immune system. That's why when a patient or individual suffering from chronic illnesses, they have to go to see the right doctor, hopefully to give them the right nutrition, probiotics, prebiotics, and one day, which is the wishes of Dr. Blazer, hopefully we'll be able to return our ancestral microbiome. We lost our ancestral microbiome because of some of those actions we described. Right. And the goal of a doctor like Elroy is hopefully will be able by all kinds of remedies to return our ancestral microbiome and therefore you will enjoy from perfect health in the future. So the take home message to summarize everything is that the bacteria that live in our gut are of utmost importance to the immune system of our body being in balance. And a balanced immune system means it's not reactive. It, it can understand what is friend and what is foe. And all of these things we talked about that have changed in the way babies are born and, and uh, in the United States in the last 50, 60 years have changed the gut bacteria. And our goals here in treatment for a lot of autoimmune patients is to restore gut bacteria to where it should be before these changes happened, uh, with the idea being that you restore the balance in the immune system. Uh, absolutely. What is balanced immune system, Elroy? Because people forget that almost 75% of our immune system is in the gut. Yes. Okay, cells of the immune system. But there is a very, very important type of cells in our gut called regulatory T cells. Right. They regulate our immune system in the gut as well as in the blood. Right. So by right nutrition, right microbiome, and uh, everything, 
you activate the T-Rex cells in order to regulate the immune system and hopefully uh, that will change uh, the overactive immune system to tolerogenic immune Absolutely. system. So we just covered what has changed in human beings, okay? So our two pop topics are why have what has changed in human beings and what has changed in food. Okay. And and this is a really wonderful big topic. Uh, we have been in the middle of writing a book about food and its relation to autoimmunity and the immune system in general. This is an area that you have done a tremendous amount of work in. So let's talk about what has changed yeah. in food. In fact, we have it um, in chapter ten of our book. We have. 70 pages just about this subject. Yes. Okay. And uh, before explaining why, what has changed in f our food, that, you know, let's explain it a little bit also. The world population has increased. We are talking about 7 billion or even over 7 billion people yep. in the world. Yep. And to feed these 7 billion people, unfortunately, all kind of practices are used which are not acceptable to me as an immunologist. Okay. Let's put business aside. Okay. I'm talking from immunological point of view. From a health standpoint. From health standpoint of view, there are many items that I have problem with. Right. Which, you know, this is a page from our book. This is this is a page and a figure from our book. I'm going to uh, put it on the video itself so those of you can get a clear look at it. Um, and it's a schematic representation of the sequential steps through which industrial food additives induce autoimmune disease. So here we have the food industry and all the different products they create. And then here are the different portions of food that are inducing um, autoimmunity. They're autoimmunogenic additives and uh, this is just a very nice diagram that kind of talks about this entire yeah, thing. But, but very fast, let's read this. Go ahead. Food colorants. All those food colorants. Red 40. You know, you give to your babies, children, and see with cereals. That's one of them. Preservatives. Okay. Emulsifiers. Okay. Uh, food glue. Yes. They add gluten to everything almost to make it more sticky. sticky. Yeah. Sugar, lots of sugar. Salt, salt by itself is activating type of cells in our body which causes autoimmunity. Mm -hmm. okay. Too much salt. Gums, they're added almost to every single product including bread. Uh, pesticides, yeah. obviously. Uh, other chemicals. Aluminum. Did you know that when you buy cheese, there is significant amount of aluminum in that cheese? Yeah. Uh, then nanoparticles. Now they're very, you know. Uh, so all of these, plus many, many, many other factors, are responsible for, added to our food, are responsible uh, for some of these immune reactivities that we see yeah. because these factors not only change our microbiome so it's changing us right and also changing the food right so it's, it's a double whammy some mm -hmm. kind of uh, by changing the food you mean it can alter 
uh, the, the way the structure of the protein or the way in which our body sees the protein so that it cannot digest it in the same way. Exactly. So here, um, a journal called Alternative Therapies. Yes. I wrote seven articles in this issue of the journal. One of them is about immune reactivities to food coloring. Yeah. And in a very simplified manner, I explain this, that imagine that uh, each food has proteins, right? Yes. Many proteins get converted to peptides. Yes. And here I'm showing example of a peptide. Yeah, a peptide is a broken down part of a protein, which is a big structure. So uh, our body breaks down proteins to peptides to make them easier to digest and use those nutrients. Now, imagine all those factors that we're talking about are added to the food. Those chemicals bind to the food proteins. Yeah. And so what will happen, like, you know, th those... Okay. So let me put this down later on, please show this to... I'm actually going to include the uh, PDF for the entire journal that he's talking about for all of you to review. Um, and uh, th that figure, as well as many others, will be available for you to take a look at. Yeah. So protein is a long right. uh, necklace. Right. Okay. Each bead of different colors. Right. We have enzymes called proteinases. Yes. They, like pepsin, trypsin, chymotrypsin, right. they cut the proteins to smaller size of a necklace right. called peptides. Right. Peptides get digested by peptidases, becomes amino acids, which we use them as a fuel to for survival. Right. Now, when the chemicals are bound to those beads. The Caesar, which is the enzyme, cannot work properly. So instead of digesting these proteins and peptides to amino acids, many undigested peptides will stay in the gut, mm -hmm. causing inflammation, opening the, of the tight junctions, and the result of that is going to be inflammation and auto immunities right so that's why some of these chemicals in our food unfortunately are contributing to uh, incidents of inflammation chronic illnesses and autoimmunity right so all of everything we talked about in that category uh, you know the gums the emulsifiers the colorants they change the actual structure of food so that our body can't digest it, as you just That's explained. Right. And they also can have direct effects on our body. That's correct. So change what you eat and also change your body. Absolutely. So there we go. You know, the mechanism in which food has changed and the way that those changes have direct effects on our immune system. Absolutely. So what, you know, we have all this information about how food has changed. What can we do? What changes can we make to make, you know, to, to adjust for these changes that have happened in food? I think number one is uh, being aware. Educate yourself. Okay. Number two, really go so see a doctor from functional medicine who okay. understands some of these problems. Okay. To help you to change your microbiome, to help you with your diet, 
uh, to help you with uh, stress management. You know, the, we call that lifestyle medicine. Right. Lifestyle medicine changing. And so on top of that, also organic uh, food is highly recommended because obviously organic foods have less toxic chemicals. In sure. Them. And, you know, you and I have been to many farmers markets together and it's something that, uh, you know, I, I really, really enjoy and personally and, and suggest to many patients um, because, you know, if you go to a farmer's market enough times, uh, you'll get to know the person who raised the produce or fruit or meat even that you're eating. You can talk to them about their growing practices, what they're using, if they are using any pesticides. You can ask them about their farm. You can really get to know so much more about what you're eating. And the more you know, you know, the more informed decisions you can make. And you kind of can take back some of this control over everything that you're consuming and exposed to. So, we have changed. Yes. The way Dr. Blazer elegantly put it. Yes. Our ancestral microbiomes are gone. Yes. And he hopes one day we'll be able to reverse them. Yeah. So we have changed. There is no doubt about that. Right. Okay. The food has changed. No doubt about that either. The heavy price that we are paying is food immune reaction. Yes. If we don't detect food immune reaction on time, the results will be autoimmune diseases in the future. That was my next question. Why should we care? Okay. There's a lot of people who will come up to me at a dinner party, and I'm sure this happens to you all the time, and, uh, you know, they say, so what? Why should I care about this? Why should I stop eating all these things? I enjoy them. Uh, why should I care? Okay. You enjoy them today. But if you will not pay attention to this, you may develop autoimmune disease or another chronic illness, including neurodegeneration and possibly Alzheimer's disease. Because we have now direct proof that bacteria in your gut is playing a role in neurodegeneration, including Alzheimer's and Parkinson's disease. So you better pay attention to this issues today, enjoy them today, but enjoy them in organic form. So you're saying you might not know that consuming certain things that you're reacting to or consuming certain things that are modulating your bacteria in your gut, you may not know how they're affecting you now, but, but as uh, Martin Blazer and several other people are starting to point out these are the setups for chronic disease in the future. You will know later on if you end up with diabetes, if you end up uh, with uh, neurodegenerative disease like Alzheimer's, obesity, all of these things are the compilation of the body reacting to these changes. And honestly, the message is that detect these at, uh, at early stage as possible. Right. Because one of my friends, Dr. Bredesen, when he took patients with Alzheimer's disease at early stage of development, right. he could reverse the course of Alzheimer's disease by lifestyle medicine. And now most of those people who were 
under his treatment are back to work all right. Yeah, you know that. You met him. His, oh, yeah. He took the course. Yes. It, his, uh, his data is really unbelievable. He's, he's an incredible uh, researcher and physician who is really changing uh, really how we think about Alzheimer's disease. But his work in Alzheimer's disease is just... It's further evidence that everything that we're talking about has profound impact. Some people think that lifestyle changes like your diet and, uh, you know, what you consume, as we talked about in last month's episode, what makeup you use, what shampoo you use, doesn't affect your body. Your body can handle all of this. But this work is proving that these lifestyle changes have tremendous impact on your body. He has taken people who have early onset Alzheimer's disease in their early 60s, and these are very high-functioning people, and in, in his first series, 9 out of 10 patients reversed all of their symptoms, went back to work with simply changing their lifestyle. They were on no pharmaceutical medication intended to treat Alzheimer's disease. So we have two choices. Yes. To sit down and like your friends, Elroy, during lunch or dinner, and say, we are enjoying life. Yeah. Why should we change our lifestyle? And then at the same time, also read about sure. the rise of celiac disease, the rise of non-celiac gluten sensitivity, yeah. the rise of allergies, and the rise of autism. Remember, autism used to be one in 1,000 only 20 years ago. Now is in 150 or 160. One, yeah. one out of 60 or 50 children have autism. Right. We can sit down and say, well, I'm enjoying life. And we, the, the reason for the rise of autoimmunities and allergies and celiac disease, non-celiac gluten sensitivity is because the doctors became smarter who can detect them better. Right. Do you believe in that? I don't believe in that. Right. Okay? The doctors always were smart. Mm -hmm. Okay? The doctors are as smart as 10 years ago. The reason for the rise of uh, allergy, autism, ADD, ADHD, autoimmune diseases is our environment. Yeah. We have to pay attention to the environmental triggers, test for environmental triggers, is food is your environmental trigger, remove that from your diet. Yeah. If chemical is your trigger, remove that from your uh, body. If pathogens or infections are playing a role, which we'll talk about that in different episodes, treat that and remove that from your environment. This is the only choice you have in order to prevent further rise of autoimmune diseases and chronic illnesses. Yeah. And not to sit down and say, I am enjoying my life, therefore why should I care? Right. So, very powerful points. And, and I want to tell people how they can have access to this, right? Uh, so let's say you want to find out which one of these categories is your trigger. You want to find out, we're talking about food, right? How do I know which foods that I'm exposed to are potential triggers for autoimmune disease in me? How do I find out if my immune system is reacting to foods that I am eating or, or exposed to? And, and you really were the pioneer in uh, developing blood testing to find out 
if the immune system is reacting to foods or not. And started from 1985. Okay. You were two or three years I old. I was three years old. That's, that's exactly <laughs> when, when I started. So, yeah. uh, I summarized that in seven articles in here, mm -hmm. which you are going to provide. It'll be in the description link but, of the video for everyone. But what is the title on this side? Food Immune Reactivity and Autoimmunity. Yeah. Okay? Yeah. What is on the other side? Food Immune Reactivity Testing. Yes. At Cyrex Laboratories. Right. Testing that I am responsible for their development. But let me give you some examples. That you eat certain food. We talked about gluten and dairy casing. Or even foods such as tomatoes, soy, corn, and spinach. Yeah. These foods, if you consume them, if they are not undigested properly, you remember the scissors cannot cut. They get into the blood, the immune system attacks them and make antibodies. Mm -hmm. IgG or IgA antibodies. Those antibodies can turn due to similarity, in, due to structural similarity yes. between these foods. For example, casein with brain cell antigens. Yeah. Gluten with 12 different tissues in our body, including joints, heart, kidney, thyroid, and many others. Yes. The corn and soy and, and uh, tomatoes and spinach cross with blood-brain barriers. Yes. So those antibodies, if are not detected at early stage, can attack your tissue and set the stage for autoimmune disease in the future. So the advantage of the testing that I developed is that will tell you whether or not you react to these foods. I just gave you example of five or six, but there are 180 different foods, raw versus cooked. And that's my invention because no other laboratory, all of them are testing against raw food. Yeah. Raw versus cooked. So if you, we, you detect antibodies, you have no choice but remove those items from your diet in order to prevent future development of an autoimmune disease, including type 1 diabetes, multiple sclerosis, rheumatoid arthritis, thyroiditis, and name it. So I'm going to recap a little bit uh, and simplify things for those of you that didn't catch all of that. So. We've talked about all the ways that our immune system can lose its ability to identify friend or foe, so it can start attacking things like food that we eat, and we talked about all the ways that that can happen. When the immune system decides to attack things like food, it uses something called an antibody, which you can think of as a missile. It launches those missiles against that food. Because the protein that it's attacking in that missile is similar to other tissues in our body, if the production of those missiles continue, you can start turning those missiles against your own tissue 
And that is the definition of autoimmunity. So it can be related to autoimmune brain disease, uh, joint disease, thyroid disease, you name it, every part of the body can be affected. Okay. So in the testing that you developed, and I think more importantly developed and perfected, which no one out there has done, no one else has a test that is as reliable and reproducible and as clinically meaningful as the blood testing that you developed. With that, you can figure out which one of the foods your body is producing the missiles to. When you remove that food, the missile production stops. That means you stop attacking your own tissues as well, and you remove the setup for autoimmunity. Yes, this very nice. This really is, when we talk about the Vojdani continuum or, or uh, um, you know, what we talk about as our idea of treatment is detecting what the triggers are, and in this case we're talking about detecting what the food triggers are, removing those triggers, right, and then repairing the barrier in all the different uh, we have many protocols depending on which barrier we're trying to treat to enhance the healing of those barriers for example the gut barrier um, and, and closing the opened uh, tight junctions which are what we talk about in leaky gut those three things combined is a return to health a return to um, balance and a return to uh, a lifelong path of health and wellness so if you have any chronic illnesses, if you have any symptoms, actually, yeah. if you have any symptoms, even if you have chronic illnesses, go and see a doctor like Elroy. Because not only after taking thorough history and all of that, he's going to emphasize the following three. Detect the environmental triggers. Is it food? Is it toxic chemicals? Is it a pathogen? So detect, and then you remove those, and then he will use all kind of methodologies and technologies to repair the damage done to your body. Yeah. So you have two choices, to sit down and say, everything is in the gene, the environment has nothing to do with this, and then a few years down the road, you may develop uh, chronic illness or including autoimmune disease, or to go and see a doctor from functional medicine and then try to get to the root cause of your problem and prevent devastating chronic illnesses in the future. Well, thank you very much. Thank you. I think, uh, as always, this has been a really, really uh, fascinating discussion. Um, and, and as I talked about something that I have a even more personal passion towards, but thank you. Uh, we really heard so much from a pioneer and an expert in the field, um, and we appreciate you passing on your knowledge to all of us. Thank you. Um, a plug for both of us, we are going to be speaking at the A4M World Conference, uh, World Congress in uh, Las Vegas in the middle of December, uh, separate times on the first day. And um, November, IAFNA. IAFNA in November, we will also Early November. both be speaking also in Henderson, Nevada, uh, separate times. Um, so, you know, uh, we encourage you to attend those conferences and hear us speak. Um, I'm Elroy Vojdani, MD. I'm uh, the physician founder of my clinic, Regenera Wellness, where I treat patients uh, with autoimmune disease in the ways that we talk about in these videos. If you want to make an appointment, you can call 424-256-0272, or for more information, you can visit my website, 
which is regenerowellness.com. Um, thank you so much. In our next episode, we're going to wrap up all of the idea of environmental triggers and start talking about the last category, which is infectious pathogens. That's right. And I want to do a little teaser for the episode after that, which is going to be talking about uh, neurodegenerative disease. Yes, and this absolutely. is something that you're doing some active research in. Yes, and very we, excited. Very, it's something that we're all both very thrilled to be involved in and thrilled to share our knowledge with you. So, uh, next two episodes, two fascinating topics. Uh, please stay tuned, and uh, we thank you so much for watching. Thank you. Bye. Thank you.